Hello everyone, I'm J. Carl Ganter, and we're excited to be joining you today from Stockholm, where World Water Week is underway. Our conversation, an urgent conversation, will focus on the unfolding and accelerating challenge of global groundwater supplies and contamination, and some of the links to food and public health. It's an issue that affects millions. If you're just joining us today, and many of you are for the first time, the show opens with special guests who queue up the latest news and context, then we'll go into two expert-led facilitated breakout groups where you will have the opportunity to share your voice in this important conversation. I assure you, this isn't a typical webinar. To fully participate today, we recommend that you have both an audio connection by phone or by web and a visual interface using your computer. If you haven't already logged into the visual interface, please open the reminder email you received from Maestro Conference two hours ago and yesterday. There's a phone number in the email, including your unique six-digit PIN. Below the PIN is a link to the visual interface where you'll be able to see our visuals during today's event, and we'll want to hear from you your questions during our breakout sessions. You will also be able to use your keys on your phone when prompted to raise your hand. For background, visit our latest coverage from India. We've just published Toxic Water, Toxic Crops, India's Public Health Time Bomb. You can find that story and much more at circleofblue.org. Stand by, we'll get started at the top of the hour. Hello everyone and welcome to H2O Catalyst. I'm J. Carl Ganter, Director of Circle of Blue, and we're coming to you live from Stockholm World Water Week with another interactive broadcast in the Catalyst series. Polluted and depleted, many of the world's aquifers are grievously wounded, and further deterioration and decline puts economic and political stability and human health at risk. From India and Bangladesh to Michigan and California, this issue touches all corners of the world. This H2O Catalyst is part of a series of urgent conversations about the world's number one global risk, risks to supplies of fresh water around the planet, and how to respond. Well, first, a few simple instructions. Yesterday and two hours ago, you received an email about how to join the screen if you want to see the visuals today. Otherwise, you can just use your phone. Uh, you'll miss out on some nice pictures. If you're joining us on the social webinar screen, you can let your networks know about today's event by sending the tweet displayed on your computer now. To share your questions and comments via Twitter, use the hashtag NoWater. That's K-N-O-W, water. And we've already received dozens of questions, so uh, really, really good feedback. Thank you. You also have the chance to discuss these issues live during today's event in special breakout groups with expert guests and Circle of Blue journalists. A note, too, for your calendar, we'll be hosting another H2O Catalyst on October 1st, specifically focused on one American state and what American researchers are calling Michigan's groundwater emergency. That's October 1st. Well, today in Stockholm and from points around the world in the face of these urgent and current events, we have gathered an impressive group for a special discussion on groundwater pollution and its wide-reaching ramifications. These are leaders and you who are grappling with profound challenges every day and working to develop the responses. Well, after opening remarks, we'll be going to our experts and into breakout groups where you can join the conversation. We'll be joined by Professor Upmanu Lal of the Columbia University Water Center to set the scene. And then we'll move into breakout groups with Claudia Ringler, Deputy Division Director of the International Food Policy Research Institute, and Cody Angel, 
and unlikely groundwater activists in Michigan. Their breakouts will be facilitated by Circle of Blue reporters Brett Walton and Keith Schneider, who've both been on the front lines of this global story. The results of this program and the podcast version will be posted online. But first, we're going to start with Torgny Holmgren, Executive Director of the Stockholm International Water Institute and our host here at World Water Week. Torgny, as always, it's great to talk to you in the flurry of World Water Week. And water has consistently been ranked as the biggest risk to human health and economic development and global security. What's that mean to the average listener? Well, Cal, I totally agree with you that we are facing a looming global crisis worldwide. And if I look around the world, you have an, uh, such a great number of local crises as water is a local resource, but building up to a looming global crisis. And it goes both for what we are distracting from our aquifers, but also how we treat or maybe not treat the wastewater of this world. Great. And, and we're also talking about solutions here at World Water um, there seems to be a big transition. I mean, what's some of that really? Some, what are some of those big changes that we've been seeing over the last few years? Yeah, our main theme for this World Water Week here in Stockholm is water ecosystems and human development. And why do we choose ecosystems? Well, we see that uh, what we will need more and more and more investments are in green solutions in the years to come. As, of course, as a complement to the great solutions, which, of, of course, are needed in many places of all even in the future, no doubt about that. But as we see, the green solutions could add a much more of a resilient uh, solutions than gray in the future. We can see that uh, the green solutions, they rather tend to break. They don't break, they bend rather under pressure and they're more resilient and they can also be in the, in the sprawling urban areas of, of the world today where we need the green solutions that we don't have another use than coming up in a few years' time. So today we're talking about groundwater. Can you give us a little bit of background? You've, you've followed the issue here. It's been, you know, through through the years here at uh, World War. Mm-hmm. Are we some of the big issues, and, and how is this starting to, uh, pun intended, come to the surface? Mm-hmm. Of course, we do face a number of challenges in the world of water, with uh, getting access to clean water and safe water for human beings around the world. But I see as one of the most severe challenges we are facing in the years to come is the is the groundwater situation as we do have both pollution and also depletion of groundwater. If I should compare it to a daily life of any one of us, it's that the groundwater reserves are like the bank where you have the asset. But if we start to draw and deplete our bank assets compared to what we can do in the daily account, being the rivers and the streams, etc., that we do, then we are re- really into a bad situation. And we see that that is emerging in a number of places around the world today. I think you mentioned yourself, we have northern India, western U.S., or the Arabic Peninsula, the Gulf area, where you have down to three, four, five, six, eight hundred meters groundwater. And that is a very severe situation, I think, that we are facing. Well, some intense intense questions, and, and just one more for you, and then we're going to go into our deeper conversation here. So in a couple of years, maybe in, in five years, what do you think we'll be talking about? Are we going to be looking back and saying, here's what we got right, or are we going to be um, muddling through? Where do you think we'll be? 
I think there's a lot of issues that we're facing today. It's about awareness raising, but also how we govern, how we use, how we manage our common resources. And I think that to us is the most fundamental, maybe the most important part of it, how we govern, how we institutionalize, how we build up our uh, institutions around. And institutions, I mean, institute at, at a larger aspect, not only the, the organizations, but how we govern, how we use, how we manage. I think that is key. So we don't end up in a situation where we have both groundwater depletion and we cannot even provide access to clean water to the 2.1 billion people still lacking it. Well, big challenges ahead, managing our bank accounts, our water accounts, and then also uh, managing and growing our institutions for governance and, and awareness. Torgan Holmgren, thanks for uh, stopping. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Torgan Holmgren is Executive Director at the Stockholm International Water Institute and our host here at World Water Week in Stockholm. Now we're going to turn to Brett Walton, our senior reporter at Circle of Blue, has been covering groundwater issues worldwide. And then Professor Upmanu Lal, director of the Columbia Water Center, who's been tracking the situation in India and around the world. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. And Brett, why don't you and Professor Lal set the scene and walk us through the complicated groundwater story that is, that's affecting hundreds of millions of people worldwide. Thanks, Carl. As you said, Circle of Blue is in Stockholm for World Water Week. On Sunday, we hosted a session and workshop on global groundwater pollution, and I want to quickly share some of the findings with you. Participants in the workshop noted a wide range of groundwater pollution problems, both natural and man-made. Examples we discussed were acidic drainage in South Africa from gold mines, nitrates in Germany and the American Midwest from farming, naturally occurring arsenic in Bangladesh and Cambodia, the salinization or the growing saltiness of coastal groundwater in North Africa, the Netherlands and Indonesia, septic tanks in Thailand and open dumping in India. So a wide range of issues were brought up in the session. Participants said there are many obstacles to addressing these problems from lack of money and ignorance of lawmakers to opposition from powerful industries and inadequate regulation. Even when rules do exist, though, weak regulators do not always enforce them. This is a familiar cycle, but how do these dynamics change? Participants said that public pressure, media attention, and consultations with community groups help to bring about government action. In a moment, we'll hear from two people working on the front lines of groundwater who are familiar with these struggles. But before that, we'll turn to Manu Law to provide an overview of groundwater challenges in India. Manu, welcome. Thanks very much, Brett, um, and Carl, and uh, Tony Tom Green. I guess I was going to start a little bit broader. A couple of colleagues and I, uh, Laureline Josset and Tess Russo, are in the middle of writing a paper on the state of the world's groundwater. And uh, one of the things we are finding there actually rings true on India as well. In writing this paper, we started by looking at literature that's published in the academic arena and by governments on the state of groundwater, quantity and quality, uh, the stressors and so forth around the world. And very quickly, specifically with India uh, we and with the United States, we started discovering that everyone uses publicly available data typically con collected by government agencies, and that forms the narrative of the state of the world's groundwater. However, uh, what we are seeing in news media, uh, again, thanks to a plug for Circle of Blue in terms of the excellent work they do to ferret all these things out. What we see in news media 
And what we hear from people on the ground or from people who are collecting their own information, citizen science and others, is that conditions are in the, in the world are actually remarkably different from what is being reported by public data sets. So let me explain a little bit of what that means. The sampling of groundwater, which is the vast reservoirs uh, spread over basically the entire surface of the earth, uh, is, is typically being based on the, on the upper 5 to 10 meters of water. But what we find is that most people who are using large quantities of water, be they industry, be they cities who are trying to provide high-quality drinking water, or be they farmers who are exploiting groundwater for crops, for surviving during drought, or just as a primary use, they all go quite a bit deeper and those are the layers in which we almost have no monitoring by public agencies or very sparse monitoring by public agencies. And even the academic models that are being built and people are parading uh, in prime journals such as Nature and Science essentially explore only the top surface of the soil, which is not terribly relevant in terms of the groundwater resource. So the point I'm making with this is that first and foremost, our understanding is very weak in terms of the reality of groundwater and its state around the world. So to address this, we are actually trying to crowdsource through surveys of scientists and others, what is it that you're finding in news media? What is it that you're finding yourself so that we can have a better picture? Now, returning to India, uh, India is critical because uh, in a monsoonal climate, access to surface water resources or rain for human use or for ecological purpose is intermittent at best. And one has to rely on the groundwater store to maintain agricultural productivity or drinking water supplies. Unfortunately, as you're going to hear from the people following me, in India, Groundwater is being depleted, not just in the north of India, not just in the south of India, but at a steady rate all across the country. The impacts are reduction in dry period flows in rivers because surface water and groundwater are actually connected and not separate. And at the same time, you have large-scale contamination of surface groundwater sources, uh, which are often used for agriculture, or, and they also translate into contamination of surface water bodies. Uh, endemic contamination of surface water bodies. And these contaminants are migrating down. And in some of the states which are coastal, as the groundwater levels drop, saltwater intrusion is also endemic. So the future of water in India and the future of society in India uh, continues to be bleak and getting bleaker because of ineffectiveness of the government efforts to do really anything about it. I'll be blunt, and I'll say that what we have seen by and large is that governments in India and governments in other countries typically look for solutions that might increase supply and do not affect significantly public behavior or industrial behavior towards contamination and depletion of primary resources. This has to change. Without that, uh, there is no future for water in these countries. Thanks, Manu. Thanks for setting that up and some pretty serious issues you raised there. Again, that was Manu Law from Columbia University. We'll shift continents now and briefly move to the United States, where the slow buildup of pollution, like the drip of carbon into the atmosphere, has profound consequences. People are getting sick with cancers, diarrheal illness, developmental diseases, and maladies previously thought dates is the group of industrial chemicals known as PFAS. Thousands of chemicals are in commercial use in the U.S. without knowledge of how they alter human bodies or ecosystems as a whole, really. Uh, these compounds are finding their way into groundwater around the nation. 
PFAS is the latest example. Developed by chemical companies after the Second World War, PFAS were incorporated into a dazzling range of household products, non-stick skillets, water-repelling jackets, stain-resistant carpets, floor cleaners, waxes, paints, insect traps, everything you can find in the store shelves. In groundwater, they've been traced across the country to military bases, fire stations, landfills, hospitals, schools, large institutions that use foams or waxes or cleaners that contain the chemicals. In fact, the closer that regulators and scientists look at drinking water supplies, the more PFAS chemicals they find. The Defense Department is a major source. The department counts nearly 400 active or closed bases with a known or suspected release of PFAS. The military has already spent more than $210 million on cleanups. A full remediation and payment of health benefits will cost perhaps tens of billions of dollars, though no comprehensive accounting has taken place. These issues are playing out in hundreds of communities across the country, from New Hampshire, New York, to Colorado and Washington. They've drawn intense scrutiny, though, in Michigan, which is one of the most affected states. At least 31 contamination sites from military bases to industrial waste dumps have affected the drinking water of at least 1.5 million people, according to the latest state figures. Residents are worried about their health, and they're angry that the response from public officials hasn't been stronger. And we'll talk about that later in the breakout groups. Right now, we have Cody Pope with us from Vector Center, and he's been watching the national conversation about PFAS as it takes place in news reports and social media sites. So, Co Cody, what can this data tell us about how this conversation is proceeding? Thanks, Brett. Building off of what Manu said as well, what we've been doing is we've been watching the news and seeing what's being said and what conversations are, are being discussed by and large in the United States around groundwater. Uh, what we found in particular is that there's been a large uptick in the conversation around these groundwater issues. Um, in particular, issues around PFAS, like we've talked about, the Air Force, which is involved in the, in, in the PFAS discussion, um, Michigan groundwater issues, and um, 3M also heavily involved in the PFAS conversation. And what we've seen is that basically since February of this year, uh, there's been a profound uptick in the conversations around groundwater contamination and in particular PFAS-related chemicals in the United States. The last time we saw an uptick like this was 2016. And since then, there actually hasn't been much conversation about groundwater. So this is a huge issue. And the the um, uh, conversation has been been driven by a few main events. The first one being 3M settling its disputes with uh, the state of Minnesota in February 2018. And then in May of 2018, we saw sort of three events occur at the same time independent but also all related um, in being the EPA changing the standards around what kind of PFAS levels are harmful to human health, the Pentagon announcing more PFAS sites around the Air Force bases, and the White House um, fears about a PFAS uh, related report done by the ATSDR. And in fact, that report was originally um, attempted to be quashed, but it actually was released in June of, that, of this year. And since then, we have seen this conversation explode across the United States, in particular, looking at Michigan, Colorado, New Hampshire, New York, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Washington, and Vermont. And these are conversations around PFAS-related chemicals, but around groundwater contamination in general. And the, as I said, the last time we saw a conversation around groundwater, it was 2016 when the EPA came out with a report. And before that, um, it was the Flint water crisis. So we're actually in the middle of uh, multiple mini Flints occurring across the United States, and that's captured the attention of the, United, of the United States news media and also um, uh, people on social media and other sites. You can see that some of the stories, they're basically from all over the United States. Uh, we've got stories from Michigan. We have stories from Pennsylvania. We have st stories from Denver, Colorado, and Minnesota. So it's really, it's not just one 
location that's causing this uptick in conversation. It's actually a, an entire U.S.-based conversation that's occurring everywhere. And people are most worried about their health. They're worried about the cleanup costs in some cases, but they're mostly worried about how this is going to affect them personally. And if you look at the, if you can see the screen, you'll see an uptick in the health conversation in late July. And that was um, in around Michigan and Michigan Water Health, in particular Parchment and Cooper Township. And our own Jay Calganter was there and he took some photos of what's going on in Parchment and in Cooper Township right now. And they're actually um, uh, have to drink uh, bottled water. They can no longer drink their tap water. Um, much like Flint, uh, they're afraid that of the contaminants that are in that water. So this is a real story affecting real people throughout America. And it is a, a moment in time when we can discuss it, learn from it, and hopefully have positive changes. Well, thanks, Cody. Cody Pope, explaining what the data is saying about these conversations. In fact, there was some news from Parchment, I believe, today, um, where they did test the uh, municipal water, um, and they do say it's safe to drink. But that's a story to follow uh, really closely. To follow these, these stories even more closely, we're going to go deeper. And our panelists and moderators will explore these ideas in greater detail in interactive breakout groups. It's one of the secrets here with the H2O Catalyst. Once you're in the group, I'll tell you how to do that in just a second, you'll see a shared document on the screen. And if you have a question for a panelist, uh, you'll type it into the document so the moderator can see it. And you'll have the choice of joining one of these two dynamic groups using your phone or the Maestro screen. Uh, because as you heard, we have a fast-moving situation unfolding in Michigan with national ramifications. And Brett Walton will be in the room with Cody Angel to talk about uh, a citizen's perspective, because there are real people uh, on the end of the taps here, as uh, one of Brett's stories, uh, fear and fury. Um, people are worried. People are afraid. People need information. This will be group number one, Michigan of PFAS contamination and citizen engagement. Group number two, India, where declining aquifers are driving farmers to turn to other sources of water. As Manulal told us, it's often heavily contaminated with chemicals and heavy metals. You'll join Claudia Ringler, uh, Deputy Division Director of the International Food and Policy Research Institute, and she will be hosted by Circle of Blue journalist Keith Schneider, who spent quite a bit of time in India covering the groundwater issue, along with along with me. Uh, we'll give you a moment to make your choice now. And to do that, you're going to press 1 if you're not on your phone. Um, or on your screen, you're going to touch the raised hand on the interface uh, for Michigan Groundwater Action. And that's number 1. Number 2 is India's groundwater scarcity and food nexus and national and global ramifications. Again, one is Michigan and PFAS and groundwater. Two is India's groundwater scarcity food nexus, more of the global and national ramifications there. It'll take just a few seconds to move you into the group of your choice. And while you do that, I'm going to suggest, I'm going to point out some of our recent reporting, again, number one or number two. So our recent reporting, when we're done with the call, I'd encourage you to take a look at our, at our coverage we launched yesterday, um, Toxic Water, Toxic Crops, India's Public Health Time Bomb. And as Torgne Holmgren told us earlier in the show, it's going to take real governance to shift these dangerous trends, and it's going to take an entire new way and a sense of valuing our water 
or valuing our underground bank account, so to speak. So you'll see some photographs uh, from the front lines in India. Um, we visited the mills. We visited farmers um, who were irrigating with uh, raw sewage and industrial waste in their fields. Heartbreaking for them, uh, as one told me, we're praying that the wastewater flows will last as long as it takes for our children to find other jobs so they can support our family. And we're going to talk about that in our breakout groups, and we're ready to go now. Thanks. Uh, so a report out from the breakout session we had with, with Cody, uh, we talked about a lot of issues in his uh, kind of evolution and awareness of groundwater contamination almost in his backyard, about a mile from where he lives. Uh, we talked with Cody about how to build awareness and build kind of a network to bring pressure to public officials for um, groundwater contamination. Cody said the main strategy for them right now is social media starting out uh, was the easiest way to, to get going. And basically pounding the pavement, going face-to-face, -face, being at meetings held across the state, uh, trying to live stream those meetings and bring uh, that information to people who couldn't be there on the ground. Cody said there was a big learning curve for him and for a lot of others who really had no experience with groundwater contamination before to learn what uh, one, all these chemical compounds are and what they do, uh, and then to learn kind of the legal and regulatory structure, what all these ABC laws like uh, RICRA and CERCLA and uh, Safe Drinking Water Act, what they all kind of had to do with groundwater contamination. Um, Cody had uh, some things to say about how the state has responded. It said the response has improved uh, in the last few months, it was quite bad early on. Um, communication being one of the biggest gaps right now, the state saying one thing, but uh, in fact, uh, not being as strong or uh, as uh, good a response as the state might like. Um, for right now, uh, the group is looking to push public officials to get stronger standards uh, in the state and then also nationally because uh, it's not just a Michigan issue. There are groups uh, not only in the, in the state but also in states across the country that are dealing with the same thing and feels like there needs to be a, a national standard for these uh, contaminants in drinking water systems. So the discussion was basically how do you communicate to uh, people about groundwater contamination, and how do you build coalitions to get public officials to act? Thank you, Brett Walton, uh, Circle of Reporting. Now let's go to Keith Schneider. Keith, uh, you're talking in India with Claudia. Um, yeah. What was the conversation? Thanks, Carl. Claudia Ringler was masterful on this, on this call, really encompassing knowledge globally and in India specifically. We, our, our conversation, as you can imagine, was wide-ranging. We talked about tools, solutions to groundwater we, we, crisis. We talked about policy in India and, and, the, and the social policy and economic policy around free water and free electricity, which of course also is leading to overconsumption of, of the groundwater. One of the really important in, in points that she made is that India has this sort of challenge, this confrontation between values around clean energy. On the one hand, India's renewable energy program is probably sec is second to China's in its ambitions and its development, but the use of solar power to, um, to uh, provide uh, power for pumps to replace uh, diesel pumps could be problematic because that would be a cheaper, easier way for Indian farmers to exploit groundwater. Um, we also talked about media. How media can be used to raise this raise this uh, issue. I noted that you know in the United States, unless these kinds of things walk right up to your back door, Americans don't generally pay much attention to them. Um, 
the, the uh, you know, how, how do we measure our ability as journalists and as communicators to uh, raise these issues beyond the uh, important but the neglected, the, the kinds of really significant challenges we have as, as human beings on the planet at this time, in my view, and I think in her view, are not nearly, and in the view of, of, the, of the, our participants in our group, not nearly as keen as the attention paid to them. So I think that is a pretty good summary of what we talked about. And thank you to Claudia for, for really doing a, a really good job doing with us. That's terrific, Keith. Uh, thank you, and thank you, Claudia. Also, um, what we do want to do is, uh, I think a little heads up, we'll uh, we'll run this a little long uh, because we have a lot of questions, and uh, uh, we have everybody back together in group. So, if you would like to either ask a question of uh, of Claudia or of Cody or of either of our reporters, Brett Walton or Keith Schneider, you can raise your hand, and we can call on you, or you can type your uh, tweet us directly. And we go to uh, Ron Cardos. And uh, Ron Cardos, your microphone is on. Tell us where you're calling from and who you are. Well, I'm from Fenton, Michigan. And my question is, when will test results, PFAS contamination, be available to uh, individuals here in Michigan? Question for probably Brett Walton. And we'll also point you to, uh, we'll have a lot more on Michigan and groundwater contamination and PFAS. We'll be doing another one of these uh, H.O.L. Catalysts October 1st. But go ahead, Brett. Maybe you have, a, have an answer there. My understanding that the DEQ is testing and then also the um, individual utilities are testing as well. If uh, an individual homeowner has uh, a private well, I, I'm not sure who is responsible for that. Usually it's the homeowner, but there are, uh, in some of these towns, testing programs that are being done around sites uh, that have been known to be contaminated. So it kind of depends on where you are in the state and and where you get your water from. Great, thanks. And and maybe Claudia or or Keith have a, have a couple more comments. Um, right now we also have uh, uh, go to Scott Cave. Uh, tell us who you are and uh, where you're calling from. Yeah, I'm Scott Cave. I'm calling from the state of Washington. Uh, we also have a PFAS issue here. And I was curious how much media coverage and uh, both at the, we've seen national coverage certainly of this issue occasionally, but how well is the local media covering this issue in, in Michigan? Go ahead, Brent. The Michigan local media has really been on this. I think of any state that um, is dealing with PFAS contamination, Michigan is, is one of the best reporting cores in the state. Um, Garrett Ellison, who's a reporter for MLive, really almost has a story out every day, it seems, on one of the contaminated sites and what state officials and local officials are doing. I think Michigan for local reporting is really ahead of the game for uh, a lot of the states that are addressing this. Great. Thanks for that question. Today is really just the beginning of, uh, as Torgan Holmgren started us out, and also by Nadal, probably one of the most important stories unfolding around the world. And it's a story about something we can't see. It's underfoot. And we are starting to ask what's in our water and We'd all like to know, and we'll be talking about this more in another H2O Catalyst on October 1st, and we hope you'll share that with friends and colleagues. Also, we'll point you to our coverage and a lot of other coverage online, but our coverage at circleofblue.org, particularly on groundwater, and our latest reporting on India. We'll have another uh, another piece coming up by Keith Schneider, who you heard from today.
today. Uh, you'll see that online here shortly. And I want to say special thanks to our guests for sharing their time and expertise with us uh, today. Tordney Holmgren, Executive Director in our, of the Stockholm International Water Institute uh, here in Stockholm, and we're live from World Water Week. And Claudia Ringler from IFPRI, and Cody Angel calling from Michigan, giving us a sense of what it's like to be on the receiving end uh, of this challenge. And then Upmanu Law, longtime friend of Circle of Blue, all of those in water at Columbia University at the Columbia Water Center. And of course, the World Water Week Stockholm International Water Institute CWE team here in Stockholm, and our facilitators, Brett Walton and Keith Schneider. Here in Stockholm, in the room, we've had help from Circle of Blue's Laura Hurd, Connor Bebb, Cody Pope, and Matthew Welch with Kayla Craig in Michigan, and Barry and Alex of the Maestro Conference team back in San Francisco and lands far flung. Follow the results of the Catalyst series online at Circle of Blue and h2lcatalyst.org and our coverage at circleofblue.org. Again, if you're interested in the Michigan, but also the national context, circleofblue.org. MI Groundwater. For all of us at Circle of Blue here in Stockholm at Stockholm World Water Week, thanks so much for joining us. I'm J. Carl Ganter.